0: Welcome to Raised on D&D Podcast. Each month, Raised on D&D brings you inspirational interviews with tips and strategies to enrich your family's gaming experience. Your host for Raised on D&D has been a game master for 30 years and father to three gamers. Here is Nick Carterelli. Welcome back, gamers. I'm your host, Nick Cardarelli, and this is Raised on D&D. My next guest is from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. She's the host of the Friday Game Night on HomeschoolConnections.com for Catholic homeschooled kids from all over the country. She's currently designing a D&D 5e campaign for Catholic teens and is the dungeon master for her family and friends. Please welcome Marlena Weber. Hi, Lena. Hi. Thanks for being on the show today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: How did you start playing tabletop role-playing games? Can you take us back to your first experience, how that all started? I can.
1: It was it was a little more recent compared to some. It was about two, about two and a half years ago now. And I had my very first introduction to actual role playing was back in the 90s when it was AOL chat. And it was just straight storytelling and you could kind of roll digital dice on there, but it was mostly just straight storytelling. And I fell in love with role playing in that sense. And as a teenager then, though, back then, it was hard to find people that were very open about playing D&D and finding a group (laughs) to play with. So as my kids got older and they got to about 11, 12 years old, Dungeons and Dragons released the starter kit. And I thought, you know what? Here's a chance that I never had an opportunity to play this or learn this. You guys are going to come in with me and we're going to learn this together. So about two and a half years ago, I got the starter kit for us as a family and started there. And I just kind of threw myself into it. I had a friend who played D&D and I asked her, can you help teach me some of what's going on in here and what I'm reading? And we went for it and we got the regular starter kit and we got the Stranger Things starter kit. And that's where we started. So... (laughs)
0: Awesome. That is fantastic. And so you, you went from not having played really any tabletop RPG and you jumped right into the role of the dungeon master.
1: FDM. DM, right? yeah. <laughs> Which now that I've had some experience as being the DM for them and also being a player and, you know, a, a big campaign and another campaign that just started... I realized how a little bit, you know, throwing myself to the wolves that was. (laughs) And to top it off, if you're familiar with the Stranger Things campaign, which is the very first one we did, it is very loose, very 80s feel. And it's Mm -hmm. really just improv and think of it on the fly. And that's what we did. But we still had a ton of fun. My kids were big Stranger Things fans. And it was a really good one to start off on, to introduce them to with the Stranger Things (laughs) campaigns.
0: That is really good. Lena, how many children do you have?
1: I have three kids, all boys, uh, 14, almost 13, and five.
0: Wow. Okay. I've got three myself. Uh, My oldest is uh, 15. Um, My middle one's actually turning 14 just a little bit. And then I have uh, my 12-year-old is going to be turning 13 at the end of the year. So uh, all little stair steps real real close together. You mentioned that you were Stranger Things fans with your children. Did they ask you for Dungeons & Dragons after watching Stranger Things and and seeing the the tabletop playing scenes?
1: They actually did not. They, they watched it and they knew of it then. And they had heard a little bit of it through a friend of mine had played. And so they knew of Dungeons and & Dragons and they knew a little bit about that, but they had never really approached me about it. And I had not even seen an episode yet when we were actually starting it they were the fans and i just took the campaign kit and i said sure why not let's go with it i hadn't even watched an episode but i said what well, we'll go for it you guys seem interested in this one so we'll go with it but i was the one who was interested and so it was sort of a happy medium when i i got the lost minds of fandelver starter kit mm-hmm. and i thought oh that's a good place to start but then right after that i believe it was the stranger things starter kit came out and I thought, oh, here's a good way to really kind of hook them into wanting to learn this with me. I'll grab this. At the time, now I've seen the show and I love it. But at the time, I had never seen the show. And I was like, sure, let's try this. Why not? And that really got their attention then, especially because my second oldest was a really big fan. The oldest likes it, but second oldest was a really big fan. So he was very excited to jump in. And he's like, oh, it is just like Stranger Things. And so even though he didn't ask originally because he saw it on the show it was me who initiated it that i had always wanted to learn and when i saw they had starter kits here we go. Here's our chance. You guys are old enough, and you're going to learn with me.
0: <laughs> and, that, and that's fantastic advice. You knew what they were into, and you used that to help them get to the gaming table. Um, and that—that's one of the things we talk about on the show all the time: is uh, whatever they're watching, whatever media they're consuming, that kind of thing. If there is a, if you're lucky enough to have a setting book. Of that franchise, great. Um, if not, you can always tailor it, right? Yep. So that's fantastic. Now, Lena, everyone's familiar with homeschooling now since the lockdowns and 2020 um, and the COVID crisis. But you've been, you've been homeschooling a lot longer than the last year and a half. How, how long have you been homeschooling your children?
1: we've been homeschooling for nine years so ever since my children have never stepped foot in a traditional school they have been homeschooled since day one
0: now there's a lot of uh stigmas about i I would say there's as many stigmas about homeschooling as there is about dungeons and dragons and you do both right so (laughs) (laughs) you do both so uh with with homeschooling, I really think until 2020, where people were kind of made to homeschool, they had certain perceptions of what homeschoolers do, what they don't do, those kind of things. And there's lots of different types of homeschooling. A lot of people don't understand that, uh, yes, it can be online school with public schools, uh, like a lot of people have experienced in 2020, but it also can be curriculum-based guided by the parents uh, to the children homeschooling. Um, and that curriculum can be bought just like a school buys their curriculum, right? It can be brought into the house. You can design your own curriculum. You can have more of a classical cur- curriculum. So those kind of things. Can you share with our listeners a little bit about your style of homeschooling, what format you like to, to use?
1: Yeah, we have a little bit of a mishmash. So when they very first started, my mom was doing most of the homeschooling for me. So they were doing, they were homeschooling with their, with their granny. My mom was a public school teacher for 40 years and we really wanted to homeschool. And at the time I was still working, I was working in retail and she retired. And I thought, okay, how are we going to make this work? What are we going to do? We considered sending, enrolling them in a Catholic school. The Catholic school closed down right before two years before my son would have entered kindergarten. So I thought, well, there goes that idea. So she approached me and said, you know, I know you kind of wanted to do this and I can school the boys for you. Wow. Absolutely. That would be fantastic. So we talked together and we sat down and we worked together and we looked at curriculums together and what she would do and what better than somebody who had taught education in a school for 40 years, K through eight. To help teach the boys. And so we sat down, we looked at a couple different curriculums together, plus all of her just innate knowledge of 40 years of experience. But we did find a curriculum that we liked, we enjoyed, and then had to change up along the way, because that's really what a lot of homeschooling is too. You start on one thing and you realize that worked for that kid, but that certainly did not work for that child. So let's switch it up a bit and let's try this and let's try that. And a lot of adapting along the way. So we... We're not really, we've never really been unschoolers with the big kids. Um, we did have a little bit of a, we had a time that we sat down just for us. It just made it easier to sit down at a semi-regular time and go through things. But boy, our work day goes much faster <laughs> than it would in a regular school day.
0: We've, we've been homeschooling for 11 years. And Lena, you're absolutely right. Homeschooling is a constantly evolving situation. We've had book curriculum. We've had workbooks. um, We've done uh, some unschooling, especially during the summer, um, some self-led education as they started to develop their own likes and dislikes and their own talents. And we kind of fostered those interests and talents and things like that. My wife and I have been role-playing with the children now for... About nine years, they've been playing tabletop role-playing games. So they've, they've been raised on D&D and a, and a variety of other tabletop role-playing games. Homeschooling, though, coupled with Dungeons & Dragons is a huge benefit. Lena, can you share with us some of the benefits that you've seen at home with the children now that you've introduced tabletop role-playing games into the home?
1: absolutely. Since introducing them, obviously, you know, of the first thing you can go to is, well, obviously there's math in D&D, even the simplest of things, you you know, tallying up dice, it makes you it makes you quicker. But the big thing I've noticed is the creativity that comes with it, that really just allows their mind to escape and really gets the creative juices flowing and gets the storytelling going. And What's interesting is that it's been a good experience. My oldest has dyslexia and it's been a really positive experience for him to be able to immerse himself in a story without the struggle of words on a page quite as much. He gets to tell his story, but then it also Slyly sort of makes him work with that because he's reading his character sheet. He's looking at that. He's learning new words from this. He's learning these things. And I found with him with dyslexia, it seems to just not inhibit him. You know, it's a struggle to be a dyslexic in the world. And to be able to have that story to tell, it unleashes that creativity where he doesn't have to write down these stories that you have in your head but it's a struggle for him to write down on paper now he can just live it out at a table and so that's been really positive and then my other one does not he's like me math is not your strong point i'm the one who will sit there at the table and when i drop down you know 76 for my sneak attack bear with me a minute as i sit here and slowly count it up <laughs> my poor party has to listen to me hold on i gotta think this through you know <laughs> and And for him, it helps him get stronger in those, try to get on those quick math skills as well. And even for my littlest one, he now is... Just coming into where he's going to be starting homeschooling and stuff like that. But he's learning numbers through the tabletop because he wants to be like big brothers. And so he knows what natural one is now and he knows what natural 20 is now. And he learns all his numbers through the D, you know, through the D20 and rolls it down and practices numbers. So it's a great experience from the biggest to the littlest.
0: (laughs) One of the biggest benefits for tabletop role playing games for homeschooling families is it 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 can cost next to nothing. So Absolutely. a lot of people think you have to buy all the hardback books, you've got to buy the miniatures, you have got to buy all the dice, all those things. Folks, if you go to if you if you're interested in Dungeons and Dragons specifically, if you go to dndbeyond.com, you can get all the rules that you need to run D&D for free. Um, yeah. the rules are put out there for free. Dice, you can download Dice apps on your phone, okay? So uh, between free Dice apps and free rules, and they're a drive through rpgcom is a store that you can buy games uh, as PDFs. Our resources, and as homeschool families, we love finding out about new resources. Oh, yeah. We love finding out about those printable websites and all of those things. Miniatures, there are paper miniatures uh, a lot of the time for free or for very, very inexpensive that you can buy. Oakham Arts games that you can find on drive also has paper miniatures, very inexpensive that you can customize, you can print out and use at the game table. So, So don't don't go to your local bookstore and see the forty dollar books that you need three of and see the twelve dollar dice that you need one for each player for. And the metal miniatures or the plastic miniatures that you have to paint, you have to spend hours painting. (laughs) Don't let any of that stuff stop you from bringing tabletop role playing games to the house. Just go online, find the resources just like you would for curriculum and print those things out for free and sit down and start gaming as a family. And you'll see the benefits and 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 reap the joy of that. One
1: thing we did um, early on when we didn't have many minis or anything like that yet and just kind of rolled out a piece of paper for a campaign and literally took board games and the little board game pieces that are like little whatever you can find and use those as place markers and told them theater of the mind. Here you go. This little red peg, this is you, you know, and this little blue one, that's you. And here's a couple things. And here's the, you know, here's the gnolls that are in the cave and here we go, you know? And so it's really easy to think on the fly and it promotes the imagination Then it makes them. Yeah. It's not as cool as a beautifully painted mini, but if I tried to paint a mini, it would be a disaster. So you might as well just use the theater of the mind to you know to go with this so there's so many ways you can make it work find your monopoly pieces or something like that there's all kinds of ways you can make it work for inexpensive without really having to invest into anything okay i saw somebody on one of the one of the groups recently had gone camping and they got reined in on camping but luckily somebody brought a campaign book and they literally took snacks of their food and put it out on a table together inside their tent (laughs) and and of course the jokes went on that every time every time you killed one of the you know every time you killed a bad guy did you get to eat it like but i mean you can think on the fly it is
0: that's wonderful that you're already seeing those benefits and of course the biggest benefit of all is the family is spending time together and bonding over these stories and having these shared experiences, which is, which is so important, uh, even for us homeschoolers that are with each other all the time, because sometimes we get bogged down in uh, in there's no there's no separation between parent and teacher. There's no separation between schoolwork and chores. It's exactly. it, those lines are not very well defined for us as homeschoolers and so people are like oh you're all together all the time so you must all love each other well (laughs) well yeah kind
1: of sort of well and (laughs) and that's one thing that i've noticed for them that you know having some kids close in age you know the typical catholics we got our kids just right back to back and, (laughs) and and so my older two they're 14 months apart so there has been many times where they butt heads together there's been many times where they will sit there and chatter on about what they enjoy together. But there's also times where you look at them and go, oh man, I don't know if you guys are going to make it together. You know, and <laughs> Bringing them to the table, it forces them whether they like it or not to work together. And mm-hmm. there was times, even sometimes in the, especially in the early, the early days where I had to remind them, you're a party together. You want to, you're better as a team and it forced them to be better as a team. And as they've gotten Older they've, and more experienced, they realize, oh, yeah, this is easier if we just agree on which direction to go together. So it has really built up a lot of confidence with each other and teamwork with each other that they may not have necessarily had in, you know a normal experience just sitting around the house, you know, where they might just either not sit together or they might butt heads together. You did this, you took this, you stole that, you know, whatever. (laughs) No, it forces them to sit down (laughs) together and agree on something and work together to get that mimic or, you know, to find that, you know, to find that stone that you're looking for.
0: And I've been playing tabletop role-playing games for over 30 years. And one of the things that I've seen, time and time again is when you have those bonds made at the gaming table, those bonds last a lifetime. There are people that are still dear friends of mine that we met rolling dice and we may not see each other for 5, 10, 15 years. And then when we get back together, we talk about that one time with that <laughs> troll yep. and uh, in that dungeon and It brings us right back to that friendship that we formed all those years ago. And to be able to give that gift of friendship to siblings, it's invaluable. It's it's immeasurable. What a wonderful gift you've given your children by role playing with them at home. But Lena, you're not just gaming with your family now. Now you work for homeschoolconnections.com. Is that correct? Correct. And what do you do for them?
1: I am. So my technical job title is the internal social media manager. I do not do social media on the Facebook page or anything like that. We have two communities that are just for the families of homeschool connections. Well, the one is for people interested in families of homeschool connections. So we have a parent community. And earlier this year, we started a student community called the student cafe. And before that, what I started was I had this idea that I thought, you know, with this pandemic and we had just moved to Pittsburgh and really didn't know anybody yet. And we moved literally one week, week before the pandemic started. So talk about a rough time to try to meet people. So as the year went on and we were we started, my boys started with Homeschool Connections with Students, which is all online courses, online courses that you get to customize and make your, your kids' own schedule and classes they need. And I had this idea and I presented it to the owners saying, I think a game night would be really fun for these kids. Like, I just, I want my kids to have an opportunity to meet other homeschoolers. And so I started this game night with them. And so that evolved into this idea that they had already been toying with to create a student community. They already had the parent community. It evolved to this idea to create the student community. It had already been thrown out there by a former student that's now working for Homeschool Connections. And seeing how much the kids really wanted this and needed this bond together, the owners went, you know what, let's try it. This is a little bit of a risk to put a bunch of middle schoolers and high schoolers (laughs) in a forum together and see what happens. But let's try it. And we tried it. And I started off as a volunteer as a moderator on the community. And between that And the game night that I had started hosting for them, and I was hosting a parent chat where parents could just come together and hang out. They approached me and were like, we love what you're doing. Can you please come and continue doing this, you know, you know, as part time work for us. So I started as there. So joke, I really am just being an extrovert for the community. I'm already very extroverted. (laughs) I am just out there. Building community is really what I am doing, building community for these families and the parent side. I try to get them talking and engaged and help provide support for them and for the students. The same thing, but on the student side to provide a safe place for them to be able to talk about things in a safe environment and keep it within our faith. And but they want that. They want to be able to talk to people. And so it provides a place for them. So internal social media managers, we have two communities and I'm basically one of the ones that helps majorly run the communities so
0: that is really really incredible and as a homeschooling parent and we, and we say it all the time we take it semester by semester year by year right um yep. you know we we're constantly reevaluating we're saying why are we still doing this <laughs> why are we homeschooling another year um you know and we and we go through that process and we have to say okay no, no, no. We're making strides. We're doing it right. We can see the benefits. We can see the fruit. We're going to keep going one more semester. Just one more yep. semester. And we've been doing one more semester now for 11 years, and you've been doing it now for nine. So, yep. you know, that's how you do it. You take it one semester at a time. But what, a, what homeschoolers who are listening already know is as parents, it's hard. We were, set, we were told by people, oh, well, your kids are homeschooled, so they didn't have any problems in 2020 because they were used to it, right? Nope. And <laughs> what they didn't understand is with homeschooling, not only are we involved with other homeschooling groups out in the community, but a lot of our education is real world based. And what we mean by real world Absolutely. based is... We're going to museums, we're going to businesses, we're going to the grocery store, we're going to places where in a adult life, you would be going to these places to either do commerce or you're going to these places to learn and enjoy and socialize and things like that. And so with the lockdowns that cut us off, Uh, would you agree, Lena?
1: Absolutely. They... I heard that so much and I th- I think every single homeschooler heard that. Well, is aren't you used to this? No, this is harder. And now they're cut off from their extracurricular activities because everything is shut down. They're cut off from museums. They're cut off from the parks. You know, I have this picture of, you know, my son like trying to, you know, littlest one trying to climb on this like playground with this big side. And you're like trying to corral him back. No, 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 we can't be here. We're just here to walk today and this big sign that's like kids can't be out here you know playground is shut down And i'm like look at you rebellious child you know <laughs> with this <laughs> sign out there but yeah we were hit very hard as homeschoolers just as you know i wouldn't i don't want to try to say i don't want to devalue anything that everybody struggled with that i would say you know everybody struggled and we struggled i think just as much in our own way that we you know our kids were cut off from so much and that was really hard for them
0: So you creating a community for the children to be able to connect with people online in a safe environment is huge, just huge. Have you gotten a chance to run tabletop role-playing games on the Friday night game nights for the homeschoolers yet?
1: Not yet. That is that is a plan that uh, it probably will not be on Friday night because our Friday night group has a couple different things. We have grown so much. It started off of us playing Among Us online together is where it started. And it has grown to our homeschool connections has their own Minecraft server for kids. So we have like 30 students almost that come on a regular basis on Friday night. So we have groups that play Among Us. We have some groups that play Minecraft or they start in Among Us and they go to Minecraft. We have some where we'll do a more tradition, try to recreate the traditional tabletop gaming feel, not role-playing, but just Pictionary. We'll go on and we'll play Scribble.io or Pictionary on there to recreate and get those people talking and things like that. But then I did have a couple students that one student in particular that has been a D&D player for a couple of years and through talking on our boards realized, oh, you play D&D. Oh, I play D&D. And she was kind of in the middle of in a break between two campaigns over the summer and through bouncing ideas back and forth with each other. And we knew some of these students really wanted to learn, but they don't have an opportunity to be able to learn how to play D&D. And they're interested in it. And so we kind of brainstormed together and thought, maybe we can present to some of these students that are interested you know we can play d and d online together, you know we'll get up roll twenty or something like that, and let's do this. So we reached out and we've got a a group that's they're about to have session zero next week, so it'll be fun and I'm looking forward to it, so we're gonna leave our game night for those that are used to the video game side, and then we're also kind of opening it up, and I'm expanding it to this and admittedly, we had to sort of tread the water a little carefully in that conversation of saying. You know, this is my project essentially. <laughs> like, this isn't necessarily something being promoted by my work. It was my personal experience that as a teenager, I wanted to learn how to role play and do tabletop role play. And I didn't get the opportunity to do it because I didn't know anybody. Well, now we live in this great digital age where everybody around the world can connect with each other. So I'm presenting this to them. And there was a little bit of hesitancy from a couple people over your catholic and you play dnd wait how what hold on is that okay and so i made it very clear i said this is not necessarily homeschool connections sponsored but this is me sponsored and i i talk with you guys every day in our community so those of you that are in our community that are interested in this reach out to me we're getting something going let's do this there's so much value in this that you can experience so we're really looking forward to starting that so we're going to start session zero next week
0: (laughs) since the satanic panic of the 1980s one of the things that a lot of people are confused about is how people of faith can play dungeons and dragons and i've spoken with Derek White, the geek preacher, on here. I've talked with Jeremiah Kaplan, who uses Dungeons and Dragons at his synagogue, can enjoy Dungeons and Dragons, and that Dungeons and Dragons is not in some way against Christianity or, or Christianity is incompatible with it. A lot of people don't know this, but myself, I'm Catholic as well, very active in our parish community And my wife is a certified catechist for the Diocese of Orlando here in Florida. I want to say that they were nine, eight and seven is when we sat down with and said, you know, we're going to do a string of full sessions uh, with the same characters going through and leveling up and all that. My middle one wanted to play a paladin and because he was just excited. He wanted to play a knight with a shield and a sword and full plate armor and all that, right, he was very excited. So he chose Paladin as his class. And I said, okay, well, a Paladin has to choose a deity. Well, here is the, the book, and you can select any of these deities uh, to be your patron, or you can pick a handful of them, that kind of thing. And because they had had a classical education that included Greek mythology, they were, it wasn't foreign to them, the idea of polytheism or anything like that. But something happened that I didn't expect. And it was my middle one says, I don't feel comfortable selecting one of these other deities. And I, and I was, I was surprised. I said, well, it's, it's okay. It's just make-believe you're not actually worshiping, you know, Paylor or Grom. Right. None of that. But he said he was uncomfortable with it. And there's a lot of talk in the media right now about making people feel welcomed and included at the gaming table. Okay. And we want everyone to feel like they can sit down and play Dungeons and Dragons, regardless of their expression of life. I took that same philosophy and I applied it to my son. And instead of saying to him, well, you can't play this game or you can't play a paladin unless you select one of these fantasy deities. I said, "Okay, well, who do you want to be. And he said, I want to be a knight of the church. I want to be like a medieval knight. I want to be like a hospleter or a Templar. And I said, Okay. I said, You can do that. Yep. And so what, what we realized was they had this connection with their faith and with their culture in the church. And we said, okay, well, we're going to go ahead and we're going to we're going to continue with that. And uh, I think you and I both belong to Catholic role players on Facebook, uh, that group. It's got quite a bit of members. And I started a very heated. I didn't realize it was going to be heated, but I started (laughs) a heated conversation where I asked, uh, do you incorporate your Catholicism in your tabletop role playing? Okay. And uh, I I understood where everybody was coming from. And a lot of them said, well, I don't use real world religions. I think that's disrespectful. Okay. That's good. Other people though said, well, we don't do it as in saying full recited prayers uh, during a game session or something like that um, because we don't want to cheapen or, or disrespect the sacred. But I was surprised by how many Catholic families said, yes, we use guardian angels and patron saints and the temples in D&D are churches and cathedrals. Um, And in our own campaign, we would have uh, clerics who were different kinds of Catholic clergy or religious, right? So we had an episode where They had to uh, take on orcs that had raid, that were attacking the valley. Well, those orcs raided a convent and some of the nuns escaped and some were trapped inside and they went to the heroes and the heroes went and rescued the nuns with the help of the, of the cloistered nuns who escaped. They were very excited about that. They received a mission from the archbishop of Greyhawk to go clear out a haunted house things like that. So uh, we didn't trivialize or cheapen the sacred. What we did instead was we took the cultural aspects, the artistic aspects of our faith and our religion and applied it into the fantasy world the same way you would if you were playing a medieval tabletop role playing games. Um, We still had polytheism. We still had other deities. We still had um, magic users. We still had all the things that are Dungeons and Dragons. The only thing that was different, it, one, it was a way of for the children to learn the different types of religious. So we had Dominicans, Franciscans, uh, poor Clares. Uh, we had all of those uh, represented uh, in NPCs. We use those things also to let them know, okay, Well, this this person is a priest, so we can trust him when he says, I need your help with this. Or this person's supposed to be a friar, but he's acting this way, which is not what he should be acting like. So now we don't trust him. Something's not right. So by doing that, that's how we integrated Catholicism into Dungeons and Dragons. Elena, have you had similar experiences?
1: Not with my own kids yet. They really they haven't really picked anything yet that's really required deity type of things. I myself I just started into another campaign and with a group of catholic people's from our catholic roleplay Facebook group and I thought what a perfect opportunity to implement this idea that I had to play a protector Asamar and to be a life cleric and i said she is literally the guardian angel of the group <laughs> like <laughs> and i said this is my goal as i you know i said okay well maybe she's not literally the guardian angel but i i had this vision and i said i want her to pretend to be like a guardian angel like she's out here to protect and chose one of the dnd deities she's a cleric of lathander and but i play her as sort of i do in real life a little bit evangelical at times you know where if you get me started i can be very you know quiet and low-key but at the same time if you would like to talk to me about it i will tell you how i feel (laughs) and so i go out she's very like the power of the and and, you know the dawn of the and but in my own home they just they haven't really the kids have not really picked anything as of yet one is a um you know a bard the other one's and, you know, rogues, stuff like that. So they haven't, you know, been things that are, you know, totally, I think one time there was a wizard, you know, so they haven't really picked anything at this point for that. But it was an interesting, you know, looking over some of the campaigns to run for these Catholic teenagers as well, debating, you know, are you going to be comfortable with if we start off on a campaign, maybe do we want to start off on starter kit, lost minds of Fandelver? because I also have this other starter or this other, I also have this other. Um, I also found this other campaign on Roll Twenty that's called Wardlings, and mm. it's the whole thing is a, another deity, a D and D style deity that gives the gifts of magic to everybody. So I was like, are they going to be comfortable with this? Are they not going to be? And you know, because you want to make them comfortable, you don't want them to feel, you know, I'm not comfortable with that. And if nobody was comfortable with it, just the same as you, I already told them it's fine. You, we don't have to do that. Maybe we'll start off on... And everybody's been very comfortable with it because I think... I don't know if it's more so for us as homeschoolers that maybe we, we've we exposed them, maybe not. I don't know, to sort of the real world a little bit more. They're in the real world. They're not in a classroom bubble of 20 of the same aged kids. They're out there. They're seeing the real life a lot more and experienced than... I feel like traditional schools sometimes get to give your kids, you see all sorts of walks of life. They're, you know, in theater with this person who believes this faith, this person who believes this faith, this person who doesn't believe anything at all. And you learn to get along with those people and you learn how to work with those people. And in a way that sort of rolls into the role play is, you know, you learn that, if you're not comfortable with it, that's okay. Like your son, you know, you choose Christian God, and we'll work that in, then that's fine. If you're uh, comfortable with this because it's just role playing, then we can do that too. But it seems they're very, they're very comfortable with it. It doesn't bother them. the The kids that I've talked to so far don't seem bothered by it. My kids have not been bothered by it. They're they understand it's just stories. We're I'm a big fantasy geek, and so they have listen to me their whole lives ramble on about things. Um, One of my kids last year with Homeschool Connections, one of those topics was he talked about, they did a paper on Greeks and a little bit of the Greek Olympics and how much the Greek gods played into the Greek Olympics and all of that. So like you said, they're, they're familiar with it and that's just part of life. And you can choose that path or not. And it's really about making them whatever they're comfortable with. And so, yeah, we haven't experienced it Directly in my table, but very aware of it for, for the kids that I play with in the future.
0: <laughs> and Just so everyone's clear, because I know that uh, I don't want anyone taking a soundbite and uh, flaming me <laughs> on Twitter. OK, uh, we we know that homeschooling isn't for everyone um, and it's not always the best option for every family. And, that, and, and that's what a lot of people don't understand is as homeschoolers, we believe that everyone should be able to choose what type of education style their family uses to become successful. A lot of people uh, don't realize this though, but they think that because our children are kept at home and are taught at home, that they're in an echo chamber, that they don't get diversity experience. They don't get to uh, get to uh, interact with people of different faiths or backgrounds or beliefs, but as you pointed out, they're in the community and our communities are made of diversity, uh, not only of backgrounds and uh, different types of people, but like you mentioned, different philosophies, different theologies, um, or none at all, right? So those kind of things are something that we value as homeschoolers is that ability to be able to to recognize the differences in other people, um, and to be able to not just tolerate it, you know, we don't we don't tolerate people's differences. We enjoy it, we experience it, and we cooperate with people of different communities and different backgrounds and diversity. So that's fantastic that you are able to bring tabletop role-playing games to the homeschool connections kids from all over the country. Um, even though it's not official, it's not <laughs> it, it, it's not sponsored, but but it's there and it's going to be available for them. So, Lena, thank you so much for that. So, is there anything you'd like to share with those parents who are listening, don't know how to fit tabletop role-playing games into their homeschooling schedule day so it, it, do you have any advice
1: i think as we mentioned earlier finding a niche of something that they like that captures their interest like starting with stranger things or something like that if they love stranger things and there's so many one shots or this or that are little off shoot campaigns here and there that are you know i think you even said me on the star wars there's you know you can find a Star Wars, a little Star Wars campaign, you can find whatever it is they're interested in and make that to capture their interest and to go, hey, look, I have this and sort of intrigue them to the table, you know, bribe them to the table with that. <laughs> and, and if they don't, then make it up. You know, your homeschoolers were used to thinking on the fly, you know, just make it up then if you need to. I personally have not made up anything as of yet, but there's so many resources out there that I think it's You can find something that they're interested in. You know, if they're into Minecraft, you could probably find something out there that is Minecraft related. I am sure in the ethers of the internet, somebody has created something that will work for your kid and your family to make it work. And I love your idea. You know, you can start small, you can start in a 30 minute session. You can learn to, you know, expand upon it or sometimes something happens and you have to stop middle of the thing, or you might rush through it and go, you know what? Uh something came up real quick. The little one is crying. I'm just gonna throw a couple NPCs in here and we're gonna finish this out real quick to finish this this encounter. And you learn I think we're really good as homeschoolers to think on the fly and to adapt. And um I think we're <laughs> I think that's a great way to just just, you know, just roll with it. Just uh, <laughs> pun intended.
0: <laughs> Absolutely.
1: That's, I think, one of the best things about d and is promoting your, using your imagination. You learn to adapt to anything that's in there and you can make it work, you know?
0: <laughs> well, Elena, thank you so much. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for all that you're giving back to uh, your homeschooling communities and fostering new Dungeons and Dragons players.
1: Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me.